In this episode, we're taking a look at attachment theory. We look at its origins, how you can determine your own attachment style, and really discuss how you can't just put yourself in one category. Hi, I'm Heather Wood, and I'm an intuition and ego expert. And I'm Jamie Hayhurst, and I'm an energy healer. We're both passionate about smashing the patriarchy, integrity in the spiritual world, and social justice. This is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jay, what do you say we talk about some attachment style theory? Yeah, I'm ready for this one. Okay. We mentioned this in a past episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, listeners, if you want to talk about this or you want us to talk about this, let us know. And I was like, I want to talk about it. Yeah, I was like, the episode ended, you were like, no, we're doing it. Yeah, I want to talk about that. I think people will like it. I think it will be helpful. I do too. And, you know, in the meantime, listeners did ask some questions about it. So we're delivering for the people. But as always, also because Jamie said. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm just going to quickly acknowledge for the first time, mm-hmm. we have like a whole video set up so that we can put this on YouTube and on social media. Yeah. And so this is a trial run. We both put a lot more effort into our appearance today than we normally <laughs> do for this. Um, so if you hear like something awkward or we're a little weird today, weirder, weirder, weirder than usual, <laughs> than normal, we're just trying to adjust to that. Yeah, we're just, you know. I think Bear within with us. like 30 seconds, I'm going to forget it's there. Agreed. That's okay. Yep. All right. So attachment style theory. Mm-hmm. This is the way you bond with your primary caregivers as a baby. Yep. And how it sets the foundation of how you bond with future relationships. Correct. All future relationships. Yes. People get stuck on this and I really only see it talked about in romantic relationships. Which is weird because I think about it as a parent. I think about it a lot more as a parent. I mm. don't know if it's because you and I are thinking of it also like, am I giving my kid the attachment that they need? That's exactly, so exactly it's like what I'm doing. Front of brain. <laughs> yes. You know what I yes. mean? But it's everywhere. And it's like every relationship right. you have with anybody, this is present. Right. And they're different. Yes. So one of the biggest misconceptions, and we'll get into this more when I'm like describing each one and like talking about that, is that it's like a personality test. Right. And like if you get secure attachment style, then that's the attachment style you have all the time with everybody in the world forever and ever. Right. Not true. It's not. Right. Listen, the whole understanding of human behavior is knowing that different things trigger different results in you and reactions in you right and really what healing is and why healing itself is so intuitive Mm -hmm. is that you're you're sort of like taking there's two columns you're taking all the stuff in the column that's like i just react yes and then you're trying to put more of it in the column of like i react based on my feelings Mm -hmm. my true feelings not necessarily just to this outside stimuli right that's what healing is. I know that doesn't sound like fluffy and pretty and like <laughs> rainbowy and three, four D, whatever it's supposed to feel like. Yes. But that's what healing is, and that's that's what intuition is. Right. Exactly. And so the more intuitive you are, mm-hmm. the more drawn to learning about this stuff, so you can put more stuff in that column. Right. Exactly. I wish I could think of a sexier way to describe it, but like that's what it is. Well, and I think it's important to know this because I think. 
I'm seeing it a lot more yeah. on social media. Yes. But of course, you're only getting little hits of like 10 seconds, 30 seconds, maybe a minute. Yes. Someone talking about attachment styles. Right. So like if you know the basis yes. behind what someone's talking about, you're yes. going to be able to like use it better. Yeah. And you're going to like whatever your attachment style is, is changeable and healable. Yes. So just because you, you know, you see a lot of like one of the types is anxious avoidant. Yes. Like let's say you see that a lot in your relationship with your kids. Yep. You can do things to make it more of a secure attachment. attachment. Right. Like it, you're not stuck. It's not like your sun sign where no, it's just like you're with born that. with it. You're stuck right. with your sun sign. Right. This is something that the more from the column to the other column you put, the more healing you do, the more the attachments will feel secure. And it's not right. so that you can brag about having secure attachment style. I mean, go ahead if you want. It's, I mean, kind of, it's a weird, weird. flex. Yeah. But like you and I would probably appreciate it, but I don't know if many other people would be like, oh, wow. Right. But it's more so that you can feel better in your connections to people. Exactly. It's also some cycle breaking stuff. Absolutely. See episodes on that. Absolutely. So there you go. Okay. So I thought for this episode, I would start with the creators because mm -hmm. I couldn't find anything controversial on them. So I can't like drop a bomb or like really make you question <laughs> this a lot. Like they're pretty, they're pretty okay. legit. Okay. Yeah. That's good. I mean, if we're talking about something a lot in pop culture or, yeah. or regular everyday life, yes. Yes. we want it to be legit. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to find a bad person or someone with some bad things i know it makes for a good podcast right but like i literally love a lot of these tools mm. like i really truly do yeah no i do too i feel securely attached to them <laughs> and so i want the people to be good people right okay do i think they're perfect no right but from what i could find i couldn't find a lot of people doing anything except maybe disagreeing with a theory good that's fine with good me. we'd like that okay so there is a father, Jamie. Okay. There's always a father. <laughs> father of attachment style theory. Yes. So it's a British British psychologist mm -hmm. and psychoanalyst. Okay. Named John Bowlby. It's spelled B-O-W-L-B-Y. Okay. And he came about, I was going to say discovering this theory, but I think creating this theory mm -hmm. would be the best way to say it, in the 1950s. Okay. Then somebody named Mary Ainsworth, who's a psychologist herself, came up, came around. She worked with him and then promoted it further into like the 60s and the 70s. Mm -hmm. She did a lot of the work and sort of the two of them are credited with it. Okay. What I find to be so interesting, and this is just a question I don't necessarily know the answer to, like I, I can give you some theories if you want, mm -hmm. is so much of what we talk about that's like popular in pop culture right now that has to do with psychology is from so long ago that's a really good point it's like it, it why why are we like really getting into this now because 10 years ago nobody would have told you be able to tell you what attachment style was that's true but a lot of people do so i i just think that's really interesting to me is it an issue of access that now we have like the internet where we can talk about things and mm -hmm. share information makes sense yeah i think my theory kind of goes to crediting like the younger the generation below us oh definitely with really trying to explore and excavate mental health and bring a lot of stuff to the surface absolutely so i think it's probably a combination of a lot of things but mm -hmm. i just feel like there's so many times where i'm going like hey this thing from 
30 years ago, 40 years ago, 60 years ago, 80 years ago is now what we're talking about. Right. And it's, there really wasn't a, a time in between there that people other than psychologists were probably learning about this. I don't think people would have even been open to talking about it. No, it wouldn't have been like a, outside of like a psychologist's office. Yeah, it wouldn't have been something that interested people. I mean, it would have interested you and I. Well, for the most part. I mean, obviously, there's always like a portion of the population that wants to do this work, exactly, right? But exactly. not like it, not like today. Exactly. Okay, so Mary Ainsworth, who I mentioned, mm-hmm. she came up with something called the strange situation, and she did something called the strange situation research. Okay really interesting i've also heard it referred to as the stranger situation okay uh, either way it's the same thing and this is when a child a really young child like most of this research gets done in the first year of life for right. a kid or that's where they're really focusing their attachment style yep. theory i think there should be another age about it too but we'll talk about that later um <laughs> so what they do is they have a stranger come in the room with a kid so there's a i'm gonna say a baby but it Mm -hmm. could be a toddler also okay there's a baby in the room and they're with their primary caregiver in all of the videos i saw of this experiment and all of the research i was reading it was always a mother okay but all of the wording is always to say caregiver so i'm just interesting yeah that maybe that's because of when it was created i think it has a lot to do with that okay i also think that possibly because there is a very strong biological bond Mm -hmm. between mother and child yeah you know carrying the baby that Mm -hmm. like there's all these studies right about how you know mothers know like the cry or you wake up in the middle of the night knowing they have a fever like there's yeah a different level of attachment that's not to say that there's maternal wonderful dads there's just like some other element present with a mother and a child Mm -hmm. that i think that's why they focus on it but to your point i couldn't help but think when i was reading this that it was like almost all of the blame was also being put on the mother a bit yeah i mean in the 50s you wouldn't even i don't think even consider that it would be the father doing the primary caretaking right unless there are extenuating circumstances right 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 i mean i think about how you your situation growing up was at least by you was viewed as very unique yeah being raised by a single dad yeah exactly so i think it's i I think there's a lot of these elements present Mm -hmm. and one thing that i looked for was research on the father's role in this right how does this affect all of this right because what if you didn't you know you had a different kind of bond with your mother but a different one with your father and like where does that play in i couldn't find a lot of research about it however i do feel like i hear a lot more conversation about that now it has to play in. you know what i mean yeah, like it has to i was just um watching something about how um even just the way we say like you know children of incarcerated people yeah we just kind of call them fatherless but oh, like we don't right. look at how like right incarcerating people are making them father like exactly we, we don't quite have it right yet yes. in that department right. is yep. my point okay mm-hmm. so this experiment is the baby is with their mother mm-hmm. and a stranger walks into the room okay they are measuring what the baby is doing okay okay so there's all different things to this like sometimes the baby is close to the mother sometimes the baby is further away from the mother sometimes they're playing sometimes they're not okay Okay. and then they repeat the experiment without the mother in the room or having the mother leave the room 
Okay. And to see what the baby does. Okay. And this is how they really took John Bowlby's work mm-hmm. and sort of like like put it in a scenario where they could really see it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So a little bit about Bowlby before we get way into the attachment styles here. Okay. He was raised by parents. Now, again, remember the timing of this. This is He's doing this work in the 50s. So he's growing up in like mm-hmm. the 30s and 40s, right? Easily. Okay. Yeah. So he was raised by parents who thought that too much affection and attention would spoil a child. Yeah, that, that sounds how, about right. Yes. I remember yeah. mm-hmm. my mother saying that her parents felt that way. Yep. You know, too much praise, too much mm-hmm. attention, too much like emotional connection. That was too much. Yep. Okay. So John Bowlby was also sent to boarding school at age seven. So these things are things that he felt had this really big influence on him. Yeah. So he went on later, you know, to become a really um, accredited and well-known psychologist. Right. And he went on to work with a lot of children, especially homeless and delinquent children. Okay. Now, when I wrote down the term delinquent children, I like hated it. Yeah. But when I was looking at the research, that's the term they're using. Okay. And it really just, they're just referring to any kid that got in trouble with the law. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that is like a term that feels offensive to people, but that's what is in the research. Like, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I had a little bit of a squidgy moment when I read Yeah. That. No, when you said it, I did too. I mean, I, I mean, you could say like court involved or. Yeah. There are a yeah. lot of words you can use. I'm but, sure there's a better way to yeah. say that. Mm-hmm. That's how it's referred to gotcha. in the research. Okay. He did lots of volunteer work. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked as a psychoanalysis in World War II for the Royal Army. Okay. And he was also the mental health consultant for WHO, the World Health Organization. Oh, wow. Um, and I would also like to add that at the time, his work was controversial. I bet it was. <laughs> I bet it was. Because people felt like how his parents felt. Exactly. That too much attention, too much praise, too much affection would spoil a child and wh- do something bad for them. Or like, why are we even talking about like people's feelings and like their emotions? Like yeah. that, that was a stretch for then. A big stretch. Yeah. So I yeah. just, when I was researching, of course, the soon, as soon as I go in and I see like, there's a white man here, <laughs> I'm immediately suspicious. Yeah. But then when I was really looking and like, I also try to think, like, look at the time period. I look at what the criticism uh, uh, is of Mm -hmm. the man, of the stuff. And it it really made me feel like, oh, this was a guy who was doing this work. He was not getting a lot of praise. He was, this was not easy. Like, this was work, like, he was actually in the field trying to help people. And he wasn't getting, like, I don't think this man died knowing that he helped, helped or like, was going to be a popular TikTok trend. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was working against the tide. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Okay. So the the addition of saying like the attachment style has like the main categories, there are four main mm-hmm. categories, was something that Mary Ainsworth added based on a oh, lot okay. of her research with the Strange or the Stranger okay. project. Okay. So there are two main attachment styles and one of them has three subcategories. Okay. One of them has no subcategories. Okay. Interesting, right? Yes. Okay. So there are secure attachment and insecure attachment. And secure has no subcategories. Secure has no subcategories. Okay. Insecure has three subcategories. Okay. Different places where you look will call the categories different things just to be confusing. Awesome. Yeah. It's it's (laughs) great. (laughs) I'm going to try to mention all of them. And I'm also going to try to be as succinct as I can about 
not being confusing at the same time. Gotcha. Because the way this is presented mm-hmm. in videos I'm watching, in things that I'm reading, is very confusing. Okay. Like, it, they jump around a lot. And yeah. I think the reason is that these aren't hard and fast things. Right. This, these are also kind of spectrums. Yes. And based on the situation you're in and how safe you feel and how long you've been in a relationship and what's being triggered in that relationship, mm-hmm. what you're working on healing, like the shit you're healing in a romantic relationship is different than the shit you're healing when you're parenting. That's a really good point. It's different than the shit mm-hmm. you're healing with your friend. Like, Correct. Or different. your own parents yeah. or your siblings. It's different. Like mm-hmm. when I was reading about the attachment styles and mm-hmm. I was reading mine, it was really sticking out to me that like that is not none of this stuff is present until I really feel safe with somebody. Interesting. So like I'm not attaching to a stranger like this. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I would actually categorize myself completely in a different category for mm-hmm. strangers and then bring myself into this category with people I feel really comfortable with. So gotcha. my point is that there are not hard and fast rules here mm-hmm. and you can't just take the label and go, oh, that's my label everywhere. Well, and that's why it gets dicey because when you're watching, again, like a 30 second TikTok, yeah. you can't explain the nuance right. of all of this. It's also less fun. <laughs> Of course. It's way more fun to just be in the category. Of course. It's way more work and confusing and like harder to explain and harder to analyze in yourself when it's different everywhere. Well, and I think there's also the, like, I think humans really like to find, A, we've talked about how they like to categorize themselves, right? We love love a label. We love a box. Yes. Right? Our brains are designed to do that. To find that. Find where you fit in, right? Exactly. But then it's also a good excuse. It really is. Like, if you don't really want to do the work, or if you don't actually want to look into this, this just feels like something like cool yeah. to learn about really quickly. Yeah. Then I feel like it's probably pretty easy to be like, well, I have an anxious attachment. <laughs> like, oh, that's why I ruined that last relationship. I mean, I see you know me. You I see people do that with astrology too. Exactly. Oh, it's, it's just my, you know, it's my Libra moon. You know, like no, no, that's not an excuse for you. Right not trying destroying relationships or having shitty behavior exactly it may be a factor that if you understood could help you right and that's playing into the situation absolutely absolutely Absolutely. so i think the best way to look at these attachment styles Mm -hmm. when i explain them is to go i have all of these Mm. but my main one based on my experience as a child is this like i have a default one i lean towards this one yes right but it doesn't always happen and if let's say you are like for me spoiler alert i have a secure attachment style okay not as not a spoiler okay not a spoiler no one was surprised by that information especially you okay so i have a secure attachment style so it would be really easy for me to go well i don't I don't need to worry about this because right. I have secure. I'm not in the insecure category. I don't have to look at this. Yeah. Right. I'm above I'm this. I'm good. I'm way better than all of those people. <laughs> not true. Correct. Because as I'm going through, I'm like, ooh, that particular one shows up here. Right. That particular one shows up there. Mm-hmm. And I had parents who did the things that you'll hear to mm-hmm. create secure attachment. So again, it's not just like, okay, you've been awarded secure attachment. Congratulations. Right. Right. Like there's so much more. Gotcha. Again, it makes it a little less sexy. Yeah. But here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Psychology <laughs> is complicated. Yeah. Okay. 
So I'm going to just give you a quick, I'm going to tell you real quick what they are. Mm-hmm. And then I think we should take a break and yeah. I'll come back and break them down. Okay. But I put a graphic on my paper. You did. Which really only you can see. And even if I held it up to the camera. You would never would, see it. No. no. Okay. But I think this is helpful. So I'm going to just try to explain it. The attachment styles are secure, avoidant, fearful avoidant, and anxious. Yep. Okay. Now the way it is in this graphic is like there, it's like a square. Mm-hmm. It almost looks like a They're graph. like two axes, like two, two axes. axes, right? Yes, exactly. And there's avoidant on the top, secure on the bottom. Mm-hmm. That's on the left side. And then on the right side, we'll post this on social media too for people. Right. There's fearful avoidant on the top and then anxious on the bottom. Yep. And then you can see in these other letters that like across the middle, like if yep. it was the equator... <laughs> Yeah, the, like the one, the first axis. Yeah, says low anxiety to the left side, high anxiety to the right side, mm-hmm. high avoidance on the top, low avoidance on the bottom. Gotcha. Okay, this is confusing. Now I know. Now I know why I am the way I am. <laughs> you just got you have <laughs> yeah. a light bulb moment. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I see what you're oh, Okay. <laughs> All right. It's all making sense now. <laughs> so you fall on this axis somewhere. Yep. You don't necessarily go, I'm just in the secure box. You might be in like the avoidant box dialed more towards avoidance or less towards avoidance or towards more like fearful avoidant or more towards anxious, even if you're in the secure box. Like, well, that's why it's a spectrum. Like when you see this, like when we put this on social media or if you Google it yourself, which you could easily do, um, you'll see why it's a spectrum. Like you're going to be in different spots. Yes. And different things are going to pull you to different areas. Or different people. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break and then I'm going to come back, break this down, explain all of these things, let you know like what creates them, what causes them like where they show up and what they look like. And then we'll be back. Awesome. We'll be right back after this short break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, (sighs) well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You know what goes great with podcast listening? A great cup of coffee from a great coffee shop. Yep, beans roasted in-house, amazing baristas. You know where I'm talking about. Restoration coffee, can we go? Yes, I need an Americano and maybe a panini too. Ooh, I need blueberry maple latte and probably a resto bowl. Yeah, check them out and visit restoration-coffee.com. Hey y'all, it's Jamie with a little shameless self-promotion. We've had a lot of people reaching out asking about distal Reiki. So I wanted to let you all know that yes, you can book a session with me. If you'd like some distance Reiki, get in touch with me and we will set it up for you. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Let's talk about what we're obsessed with this week. All right, Heather, this week, um, I'm obsessed with a TikTok that you sent me. Awesome. I'm obsessed with any TikTok I have yeah, sent to you. So. Exactly. So I figured you'd be on board. Fair game. Yeah. Um, but it's this woman talking about this campaign called Correct the Internet. Yes. And how basically they're saying that the algorithm mm-hmm. of the internet yep. has learned misogyny. Yeah. Like uh, I'm, and I'm assuming... Search engines. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So the example on this TikTok, which we can post, it yeah. was saying that someone searched for like the highest scoring soccer player yes and the answer came up they wrote who's the highest scoring soccer, soccer player, player of all time of all time not male soccer no player. right no it's just soccer player yeah. and the answer came up as ronaldo that christian ronaldo right yeah. i'm not a sports guy i don't know <laughs> wait that guy you're not a sports guy, guy? <laughs> yeah but you know who that you know i do i, I absolutely have heard yeah. of him right but that's inaccurate it's not correct it's a woman who's the highest leading scorer yes of all time yes and but she doesn't come up on the search no anymore. like nowhere and so no. only when you add in like you have to change the wording to like, like to say female female yeah leading scorer yeah. then you get her name but she scored more than the male right like that's so effing problematic like the machines know <laughs> oh it's like it really, I don't know how much of it is like learned algorithm by the mm-hmm. the search engine mm-hmm. and how much is programmed, but True. I can't, I can't figure out which one makes me more mad to be um, honest. Like, do you know what I mean? One like, makes me mad and one makes me like sad, sad slash scared. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. You know Fair. what I mean? Yes. And like, and if it's learned misogyny, then it's obviously learned white supremacy and transphobia and like... Yeah. Like, it's learned all of it. And, you know, we've talked about this before because I get spicy about this. But, like, women's sports should be equally as popular as men's, if not more popular than men's, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's because they're kept from being that. Actively. Actively. And people will be like, oh, but no one's going to watch that. People don't want to watch that. And I'm like, people aren't, people are dumb. Sorry, they are. <laughs> and they will watch what's on. They'll watch what they're told to watch. And they'll watch what's promoted. And right. they'll watch what's advertised. Exactly. And they'll watch what has the sponsors and what has the big flashy events with the the singers Paparazzi and the dancers. And, right, and the, exactly. Yeah, that's what they'll do. But we refuse to invest in women. Oh, it really it really drives me crazy. Yeah, I agreed. Because there I can't believe that I became an adult. And it still didn't get better or enough right. better. No. Like how did I remember this problem, not with search engines because we're too old for that. True. But I remember the same problem. Right. In just in life. Exactly. As a kid growing up and being like, that's going to change. We're going to change. That. And it hasn't. And I'm just like, we haven't changed. We're much still here. Yeah. Right. And now it's, it's become a bigger problem because this like these machines, this internet that we all live off of. Yeah. Is now biased in the same way. <sighs> So, I mean, again, Debbie, Debbie Downer. It's infuriating. But here's, well, Debbie Downer, but let's let's spin it in a positive way. Right. If you know it, 
Correct. It doesn't hold any power. Right. And you can keep pointing it out. You can keep complaining about it. Right. And you can keep making... Talking about it. Social media posts yep. about it and bringing it up until it forces people to fix it. To fix it. Yeah. It certainly is fixable. It's so fixable. Yep. Get out of here. Get out of here. Exactly. All right. Let's break these attachment styles down a bit. Okay. Let's start with secure attachment. Okay. Remember, they're secure and insecure. Right. Insecure has the subcategories. Yes. And we're on this axis. We are. <laughs> we are. Pull over if you're driving and Google the ax- the picture. Right. Or go to our social media. It's probably in our stories. Ho- yeah. Hopefully we remember. No, it'll be there. Or just You might beat us to it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so look at that so that this helps you. But secure attachment, mm-hmm. here's how it kind of shows up. Okay. All right. The ability to regulate your emotions. That's a good one. Otherwise known as emotional intelligence. Yes. So again, I think emotional intelligence, you're born with a range. Yes. You can increase it and you can do nothing and stay at the bottom of it. Right. So this would be, so just because you have secure attachment style doesn't mean you're an emotional intelligence like genius. Right. But you probably have a higher level of it, mm-hmm. at least in your range, okay. if you have secure attachment. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Well, because there are other things. There are people probably listening right now and thinking, I had a great childhood or I had a, yeah. a great relationship, but I'm autistic or I have ADHD. And so it's naturally harder for me to regulate my emotions. There's so many other For a different reason. Exactly. exactly. You know what I mean? So that plays into it, but it's not going to absolutely bar you from being securely attached. Excellent point. You know what I mean? Excellent point. This is not like a standalone, like, oh, you're emotionally intelligent. You must be, you know, have secure attachment. Right. Oh, you had secure attachment. You must be able to regulate your emotions easily. Like, no. Right. But this is part of that. Gotcha. Yes. So easily trusting others. Okay. This is where... As somebody with secure attachment style, I'm going to really say, like, not until you're in my, not until you're right. in my circle. Otherwise, I don't trust anybody. And you'll, I think you'll be able to say which, by the end of this, which style I am before I really know somebody. Okay. I'm not going to reveal it yet. Right. I and want to see if you crack the code. Okay. Effective communication skills. Mm-hmm. Ability to seek emotional support. Okay interesting one Mm -hmm. for me yeah there's so many factors yeah well i mean it sounds like you just have some like all humans we have sort of prerequisites that you have to hit yes right before i can be attached to you or be bonded to you i have to you have to hit some marks that make me feel safe exactly i would also like to say i think if we look at this like your these things are easier for you to develop right not just that you automatically You're pro at all of them. So it's easier right. for you as a per for, it's easier for me mm-hmm. as a person to seek emotional support, ha- develop effective communicating s- skills, trust mm-hmm. people because I have secure attachment style. Yep. It doesn't mean I will, but it means it's easier. It's almost yep. it's not almost. It is like a privilege. Yep. I'm it's like starting the race further along. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah, like an advantage. Yes. Whereas yeah. if you don't, you weren't raised in an environment that gave you that. Yeah. These things are automatically harder. You're running the race with weights around your your ankles, and gotcha. I don't have them. I have the newest, fanciest sneakers. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yep. Okay. So comfortable being alone. Mm-hmm. Comfortable in close relationships. 
ability to self-reflect in partnerships, being easy to connect with, ability to manage conflict well, hmm. high self-esteem, and the ability to be emotionally available. I feel like I hit a lot of those. I think you do. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Okay. So secure attachment style is something that happens when your emotional needs are very consistently met by your mother. Okay. Again, I know I'm only going to say mother. It can be father. It can be yes. caretaker. But the studies are only saying mother. done on yep. mothers. Mm -hmm. Okay. They, you use your mother as a safe base to explore your environment. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. So I, you know, when your kid is being a beast, but like they were so <laughs> nice and good to everybody else. And yes. as soon as they're alone with you, they're like, you're like, who is this? Horrific. Yeah. Right. That's probably a real indicator that they have secure attachments right. to you. You know what I mean? Because like, they can be themselves. They can, they can. Yeah, because you are their safe space. Right. So if they have some big emotional reaction that needs to come out of them, if they go to you to have it, that's because you're their safe place. That's right. the place where I can do this and they be can, safe. Uh, exactly. Right? Makes yep. sense. Okay. Um, they're moderately distressed in that stranger yep. project yep. when their mother leaves the room. Moderately distressed. Okay. Now think about this for a second. If, you're, if your mother, who you need to survive, yep. leaves a room and you're only moderately distressed, why is that? Right. You believe she's going to come back in. Yeah, you trust that you're safe and that she's coming back. Exactly. Right. So that's been repeated enough times that when she walks out of the room, she walks back in, that I'm only moderately distressed by gotcha. it. Gotcha. Making sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. They seek contact when the mother returns. Oh, okay. Yep. So yep. she's left and she's come back. They go right over to her to seek contact. Right. Okay. What I want to say before I go any further mm -hmm. is that none of this is meant to shame any parent. No, because parenting is really, really fucking hard. And there's so many factors that could like someone could get sick. Some like there's mm -hmm. so many things. Yep. please don't hear it. If you're I know, because again, we have intuitive empathic listeners. We do. <laughs> I understand the filters. They're going to run this information yes, through. And absolutely. I don't want you to start beating yourself up. No, please don't. It's not worth it. No, it's not. It's just to help you understand stuff. That's it. Right. And like we said, these things can all be healed. All of them. Right. Yes. All healable. Right. Okay. So in 1980, there was a study mm -hmm. to see how many adults have this attachment style, and it was 56%. Okay. That was the most recent study I could find that mm -hmm. looked like a legit study to me. Okay. That seems high to me. Right. For 1980. Yeah. For the 80s, it seems really high, actually. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. But the, the way this was being tested was like people were being asked like it was almost like a quiz right and i'm not really sure how fully objective you could be about yourself true and i'm not like i took a few quizzes online mm -hmm. and i was like i'm not even using these because the it, they were too objective and like i don't remember that that time right. and i'm saying how i think i am yeah. where like what the person who should be taking this quiz about me should be the people who are closest to me, not me. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And they were so wildly different that I was like, none of this applies. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. So keep that in your mind. Okay. okay. So the next one, now we go into the insecure attachment styles. Okay. Okay. So the next one on my list 
is avoidant attachment. Mm-hmm. Now, if I bring my chart back for you to look at, Jamie, yep. there is anxious at- avoidance and there is dismissive, otherwise known as fearful avoidance. Yes. Fearful or dismissive avoidance, also called disorganized avoidance, are all the same. Okay. Okay. Got it. I think dismissive, personally, makes more sense for that title, but we'll get to that. You can you can let me know what you think. All right. Okay. So avoidant attachment, which mm-hmm. is both anxious avoidant and dismissive avoidant. I'll describe the difference for you. Okay. Okay. This is what it kind of looks like. You are left to fend for yourself. Okay. Expected to be independent. Reprimanded for depending on... A parent like the parent would reprimand you or the caregiver for depending on them too much gotcha rejected when you were expressing your needs or emotions sounds like the 80s it <laughs> just sounds like the 70s and 80s yeah okay now when you hear rejected when you ex- we were expressing your needs or emotions it doesn't mean that you were necessarily like shot down or told to go away mm-hmm. but that you felt rejected based on the response okay does that make sense yep okay slow so your caregivers were slow to respond to your basic needs okay avoidant attachment people have a very strong fear of abandonment okay emotional hunger Hmm. they experience something called emotional hunger interesting when i tell you that i fell into a rabbit hole researching because as soon as i heard emotional hunger something in my whole body was like yeah those two terms together yeah, there's are something causing there. some kind of like <laughs> reaction. It's like a chemical reaction. For yeah, me when I heard that. Yep. I tried to be like, let's talk about it on the podcast. I was like, this is no. This is you got to dive in. <laughs> it's its own episode, like, or like literally just the term hunger in general. I think we could do an episode agreed. on like the the way humans hunger. Yes, and how we've sort of twisted the definition of hunger. It reminds me of what we did to desire. Yes. Okay, we did it. Yes. And if you think it's an accident that both of those words are misused, you're... That's not an accident. Okay. But emotional hunger is like literally hungering for emotional connection. Oof. Okay. Yeah. All right. Clingy. Mm -hmm. And then they are highly sensitive to criticism. Real criticism or perceived criticism. Okay. Okay. You're doing a little smirk. (laughs) Are you identifying with some of this? Yeah, I'm definitely identifying with some of that. But I think, again, not to be like a pain but a lot of these can also be explained by other things exactly right you know right exactly right okay so the the interesting thing to me when i was looking at like what causes avoidant attachment Mm -hmm. what causes this kind of insecure element of attachment Mm -hmm. it was the word neglect yes but when you, so at first it, you, you think of it like, oh my God, a, a neglected child. Right. Okay. But then when you start to dive into the research and the, the, yep. the real nitty gritty, some of the neglect is so slight. Yep. So it, you really have to change the word. Like there are definitely cases of outright neglect. Right. That cause this stuff. Yes. But a lot of it when I was researching neglect in like coming from a single parent. Yep. But the single parent is very present. It's not intentional. It's just all that they have the ability to give Correct. because they're doing all of the things. Like, right. Do you know what I mean? So I just don't want anyone to hear it as like bad parenting. 
Well, and I also think that you, you hear neglect and you think that that person must be awful and like intentionally doing it. Like you said, yeah. there's extenuating circumstances, but also again, back to the seventies and the eighties, you know, that this sort of like discourse between the boomer generation yep. and Gen X and elder millennials. Yeah. It's like, there's an entire like societal approach. Yeah. That boomers took to raising kids. Yeah. Where like, I think a mass generation generation of humans yeah. were neglected. Yeah. But all of us were. Like, I think that that was the approach. Yes. It wasn't like, let me just not worry about parenting. Right. It was just the way you thought you were supposed to parent. Yes. And I, I've said, I say this a lot, but it's something that like really blows my mind, but helps perspective Mm -hmm. in, in meaning like our parents' generation. Yep. Meaning. So like we, you were born in the late seventies. I was, I was born in the late eight, in the early Mm eighties. I just tried to make myself younger there. Did you see that? Our parents, parents, Mm -hmm. our grandparents were really the first generation Mm -hmm. to have any semblance of a childhood. Right. Our parents were really the first generation to have an actual childhood. Right. So then you get to us. And they didn't know how to do it. And everything that they're doing is so dramatically more than the generation before. And the same with our generation. Right. But you have to sort of take out judging people based on the current time period. And right. what we know now and what the trends are now and like the generation we're raising now of mm-hmm. like, you know, rainbows and crystals. See right. our episode on that if you right. want. Like that is completely different. And everyone gets like a little smarter about it. Right. But I think that we, I think we as Gen Xers. Yeah. I'm like right on the cusp of those two. Me too. I don't even fit into a generation. Yeah. I'm in that Zenial <laughs> exactly. That's block. Um, <laughs> but like a lot of us, we sort of like used to brag about yeah how like we're so tough (laughs) yeah you know what i mean but now we're starting to unpack it and look at it and be like i mean i see so much of that on social media yeah people my age and a little bit older yeah starting to unpack like yeah no we should have been allowed in the house for lunch (laughs) yeah no we should have been able to like go in and get a drink of water and not drink from the garden hose yeah right do you know what i mean yes i I think it's interesting for me because I I've had the parents that let you in. Exactly. Like I, did I was too. always I did too. outside. I did but like too. we would I was the house that everyone in the yes. area would go to and right. my mother would make all of them lunch. Mm-hmm. So like it's almost like a like slightly skewed perspective, mm-hmm. but like I knew and like I think you did, like I had more than them. Yep. I, I knew right. I was I had some great advantage right. going here, right. and they didn't have that. And I'm and I agree with you. Yeah, but I'm only dragging us down this like 70s and 80s <laughs> wormhole. Yeah, because I think when you look in this, I think you might not even think that you were neglected. Yes, but your brain may have been perceiving some neglect. One hundred percent. You know, because you were like, if you think of neglect as just a, like some lack. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. You're not really getting all the needs met that you yes. needed to develop. Right. And you don't think of neglect as like, I you know, left my baby alone for six months or exactly. something. Like, it helps you understand Agreed. This. Agreed. Okay. 
even so much that like some of the things that were listed as causing these avoidant attachment styles mm-hmm. were having parents place a real significant amount of importance on grades chores and manners and feelings being less important than that wow that was categorized in the neglect that causes this wow tell me a parent no in the 80s no that had that list the other way none (laughs) you know what i mean so it's there no matter what yes you know what i mean it's not always because like you only have one parent or your parent left or in your case your parent passed away there's so much else going on here and there's so many little fine things like fine little hair triggers that like alter things the other way and how does that present if i have that avoidant attachment yeah how am i are we we doing that yes okay so let me just also say that children adopt a strong sense of independence so they don't have to rely on anyone else And that physical or psychological abuse or early separation from a caregiver caused this in more of an extreme way. But there are many things that cause this in much of of a smaller way where you mostly have a secure attachment, but there's some anxious avoidant happening or there's a little Mm. bit of this. Does that make sense? Yeah. Again, why this is less sexy, but like how it really is in real life. Yeah, because I thought I was a different attachment. Yeah. Okay. So let me tell you about (laughs) anxious avoidant. But I'm this. (laughs) with some people so they experience high anxiety Mm -hmm. around the thought of living without their partner okay tracks (laughs) i can't confirm negative self-image but positive view of others okay yep they see their partner as their better half no (laughs) i like that you're personally checking we're equals we're equals When somebody says, this is my better half, and they're not older than 60, I find that to be a red flag. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I'm like, what? why are you a half? I understand yeah. that in a different generation, I understand that compliment and that that's Agreed. not, I, I'm not like going to go correct an old man. I can see an old man walking in to a party and this being like, my this is my better half. half. That I get. You know what I really like when they do is when they say, this is my bride. Oh, yeah. I really like that. Yep. Okay, sorry. Side note. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They seek approval, support, and responsiveness from their partner. Okay. They worry their partner is not as interested in them as they are. Okay. Okay. Now, this is written in the sense of like a romantic relationship. I was going to say, this sounds very romantical. But if you sort of shift it Mm -hmm. to think like high anxiety around the thought of living without their child, their friend, their coworker, whatever. Mm -hmm. Negative self-image of themselves, but like see all the positive in these people around them. Gotcha. Not just your partner. Okay. They see like if if they're in if they're like with their kid, they think the kid is the best version of them. Like they're the better expression of them. Yep. Um, they seek approval from other people and like really like the responsiveness and like how they support them. Like they're always just like running checks on that. Gotcha. Now the more emotionally intelligent they are, the sneaky they are about that. Yep. Okay. And then worrying the other person doesn't like them as much as they like them. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that that tracks in a lot of other relationships too, and actually might be easier to gauge in mm-hmm. other connections than a romantic one I, I see that in a lot of parents i do too yeah i do too so for them in the stranger situation mm. the babies were focused on staying in close proximity to the mother but couldn't derive a lot of comfort from her okay that 
Okay. Felt rough for me. To hear. Yeah. Yes. That's a lot. Now, I think that the experiment was being done probably on kids that like had an extreme version of the neglect. Yeah. Like a real trauma. Yes. Yeah. But I do think of, if I can use your life as an example for the podcast benefit. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um, I do think of how kids in a situation like yours where a parent dies in this, in this timeframe of like the year Mm -hmm. and the sudden loss of that person or that person being ill in that time and not being able to give them what they need, Mm -hmm. that these things are going to come out. Now, they, no, you also had a father who was very present giving you these things. Right. So it makes sense to me that you're going to connect a lot with secure attachment and then some of these things because yeah. you're going to have formed both. I think I like oscillated between both. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I think I adapted. Like I had one and then I had to adapt. Exactly. And then I was able to grow a more secure attachment. But don't you think that makes a ton of sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. okay. Now we have avoidant dismissive this one i'm interested in okay this one i find very interesting too tell me more okay these are the lone wolves oh they are self-sufficient emotionally and will tell you that oh i can meet my own emotional okay okay (laughs) they have a positive view of themselves but a negative view of others interesting don't you think yes okay they avoid emotional closeness yep Hide or suppress their feelings. Mm-hmm. Don't need relationships to feel comfortable. Okay. I want you to think of, I, th- I see this particularly more in men play mm. out, and it, there's definitely a societal element to it. Yes. Of the men who are like, no, I don't actually ever want to get married. Right. Like maybe they do later in life, but they were like, no, I don't, mm. I don't actually need a partner. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, I see that. A lot. Yep. They are the class clowns and they do that to get reinforcement even negative from adults because they need the reinforcement they're not getting it gotcha they are sometimes misdiagnosed with adhd interesting but it's they don't actually have adhd it's just that their attachment style is so dismissive that it appears that way interesting in the stranger experiment they became distressed anger angry and had temper tantrums when separated from their caregiver and the caregiver was um, consistently unavailable or unresponsive to the child's needs like if you your parent was consistently not responding Mm -hmm. consistently not right um showing up consistently pushing you away like that causes this so they just turn off so they become very dismissive and they just completely become self-sufficient gotcha now, what I would like to hmm. say is this is the way I think, for the most part, subtly, I behave when I just meet people. Wait a minute. Really? Yes. I am yes. really okay. only assessing you. True. I'm really not... If you are turned off a little bit. Like, you're, I, you're observing. Yes. And I'm not... I, you, I don't think you can tell because I think that I'm... Polite in this area. <laughs> yeah, you're polite and kind. But I'm also like in genuinely curious about people. And mm-hmm. so they're not really clocking that I'm not sharing. Good point. I think I have a black belt in that, to be honest. Agreed. I can even deflect. I can deflect. You I can, can go too. in. You, yeah. Yes. And just like spin it back to you so fast that you didn't even know what happened. We're not. 
Exactly. We're not talking about me today. <laughs> or ever. Oh, yeah. I did that. But let's talk more about yes. that. What really interests me is, like, in... We just sort of do it automatically. Yeah. So when I'm first meeting people, like when I was reading through this, before I really like looked at this attachment style, I was like, I am just very much like, I want to study you before I bring you in. Right. And I, I don't necessarily, like I don't fit having an unresponsive, unavailable caregiver. Like none no. of that happens. No, no, no. But what I think is interesting is that somewhere later in my life, yes, I developed the need to do this. And this is what I'm saying isn't studied. Or maybe a little bit later, your caretaker was unavailable. Yeah. Due to medical issues. Exactly. But, and again, I I say this all the time that like the, the ego and like your intuition and like how your ego is developing is so strong at age six. Yes. That I really do think some research Mm -hmm. on what's going on in your life at six and how that affects your attachment style is going to tell you something. But couldn't even something like really awful happen when you're 26. Yes. And you just completely like switch to this lone wolf, right? Because something so bad happened. Yes. Right? Absolutely. I think what you're looking at is what your default is. And you've got to remember that. Like my default is a secure attachment style. Like I'm, I'm tripping the system and protecting myself by entering into the avoidant. Right. Do you know what I mean? Because if I, this is, I don't think people think this about me. I know you know this about me, but I think people would be really surprised who know me mm-hmm. to know that I am the most sensitive person that you'll ever meet. True. Everything affects me emotionally that yes. everybody does all the time. No, people think that... I don't know that people think that you're insensitive, uh-huh. but I think they just assume that you can manage it, that you're good. Yes, or that I'm just not affected by it or something. Right, that you you know how to manage it, you have the tools to manage it, you don't need yeah. help with it. Which is true. Right. For the most part. Yeah. But I don't think... Doesn't mean you need to do it alone. No, but it, I don't <laughs> think that they know how much that is a, a act of self-preservation yes. and not just who defense I am. Defense mechanism. Yes. Right. A coping skill. Yes. Right. So I also think it's it's important to bring this up because yeah. you might be secure attachment in every area of your life and then in every romantic relationship you fly into into this lone wolf one you or yeah. you fly into the anxious one right because of something else that happened to you right so it's it's really interesting to me that yep. there is like i can feel like i can literally feel the the workings of my energy to be secure yeah but i can feel myself yanked or pulled to creating and and behaving in a different emotion like in a different attachment right. style so if you are just reading this like oh i'm only this yep you're you're missing you're missing it agreed like because it's important to clock when do i jump to a different one Mm -hmm. and why yeah i see myself in all of those i see you in all of these too secure also all four of them yeah i see all of it well you'll love to know then Uh (laughs) that there's a there's one more oh okay (laughs) and this is the fearful avoidant otherwise known as disorganized avoidant okay okay disorganized avoidant the term doesn't make sense but when i explain it to you i think you'll understand like i think fearful doesn't really make sense like they haven't nailed this term yeah this should be the wishy-washy one it should be called wishy-washy avoidant (laughs) okay you're a combo of both anxious and avoidant styles crave affection but also avoid it at all costs 
inconsistent and you oscillate between styles. Interesting. And relate to both. Nice. You just experienced an intense fear as a result of childhood trauma at some point. And I know that sounds very dismissive, but mm-hmm. listen, intense fear, meaning like some very large event happened mm-hmm. and it was a singular childhood trauma. Right. And the other parts happened maybe like to cause you to attach differently. Yep. This, I think, explains you. Yeah, I think so. Because it makes sense, like what we were saying before with like, you have your dad as this solid, secure attachment figure, caregiver, Mm -hmm. and you have your mother as someone who you lose and who isn't as like solid and consistent. So it makes sense to me that there would be this this oscillating for you. Yeah, like ping-ponging between... Yeah, between all of the styles. Because you've got the secure. I mean, I don't really see you as like the dismissive one. No. I see you more as the anxious one, yep. but I can see times where you do the dismissive one. Uh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yep. So it, I just, I, I just think it's interesting. Yeah, definitely. So hmm. here's what I really want you to take from this information. Everybody, okay. everybody listening and watching <laughs> and watching now <laughs> is you are not just one, right? I think you have a default. Mm-hmm. I think for most people, mm-hmm. you default into secure or one of the avoidance, one yeah. of the insecure ones. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then in life, because you've healed some of your stuff, or right. because childhood isn't defined by singular events, right? You are going to pull into the other ones. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that literally by hearing this, you start healing. Absolutely. Literally by identifying it, yep. you start healing. Yep, you can see it. Yes, and empathizing with your caregivers for whatever reason mm-hmm. is a part of the healing. Absolutely. Being angry with them, part of the healing. Yep. Like whatever you feel when you hear this information is right. Yeah. Whatever you identify in yourself as a parent is right and okay. And it's all things that you can work on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to say something wild that has no basis to i have no proof to back it up oh let's hear it's it not something i usually exciting i don't really like <laughs> to say things that are unresearched <laughs> no i want to hear it now most intuitive empathic parents create secure attachments in their kids i'll back you up on that i have again i have no proof yeah but i can just say in, especially in the generation that we're in yep in the times that we're in yep if you care about your child's emotional well-being right you're most likely developing a secure attachment style agreed so if you're stressing about this as a parent Mm -hmm. but you're someone who also listens to the intuitive girl's guide you're probably okay (laughs) exactly it's the people who are like i don't give a shit about how i parent yeah i'm not gonna listen to this garbage right they're probably the ones that need it even more than you and that maybe are the ones creating some of the neglect right because if you're intuitive and you're or you're empathic or both yeah then you're going to be naturally more dialed in yeah. to the things that would create a secure attachment. Exactly. Right? Yes. It, it makes me think of, um, I see this on social media now a lot, like shared on Instagram or talked about on TikTok, where it's kind of this like acknowledgement, like, yes, I'm a curse breaker and I was handed a mm-hmm. lot of trauma, yep. but it would be unfair of me not to look at, at my mother or my grandmother or whoever in front of me and see that they also healed a lot of it. Yep. I got the, I got yep, the stuff they true. couldn't heal. That's true. But there's there's no... They didn't pass me mm-hmm. a lot of it. Yeah, they did some work too. Yeah. So right. like your parents 
probably with the tools that they had, mm-hmm. I believe they did the best they could. Absolutely. Now, if there is abuse present and like all these other elements there then, that is hard no. to swallow that pill, right. then I think there was other factors right. going on. Right. Do I think there are many parents in this world who enter into parenting going like, I'm going to really try to fuck this up? No. No. I think people do what they they have for a capacity and I wish with more the people, skills they have yeah and I right. wish more people sought growth right so maybe you had a parent who didn't yep you know just kept perpetuating a, a tough cycle for you mm-hmm. I totally acknowledge that yeah we had cycle breakers yes yeah but it's important to like look at this from a bit of an objective standpoint mm-hmm. so that you can take the information and help heal yourself I That's agree point I agree yeah and also acknowledge the privilege in being raised in a home with a, a parent giving you a secure attachment. Right. That's Agreed. a huge advantage. Yeah. It is. It's like I started the race three laps ahead. Yeah. It's not just like I had well, the because, issues. Because that informs all of the relationships that you enter into. And the, the stuff I have to overcome to be able to do the secure things are so much smaller right. than what it is for other people. Right. That's so a good it's, point. it's just... I think it's helpful as a very empathic person to remember that mm-hmm. because it's really hard to like walk around this world and sort of expect yourself and everybody. Well, why aren't you treating me that way? Like I would never treat you like that. Right. Or why aren't yep. you that? like, and when you remember that the starting point yep. and the shit before is different yep. and that you have a little bit of privilege that you're blind to in this area, yep. it helps you empathize and feel better. Mm-hmm. So just saying excellent point let's use this information for that kind of work right not not just to, to blame why you not behave to blame in certain ways and not to create your whole personality like, right to be like i'm a i'm an attachment style secure point five like whatever that would mean like right like let's not exactly. do that right yeah all right i need coffee because mm. one of the people that i'm very securely attached to in my life is you and so i would like to go drink coffee with you same okay. i'm in <laughs> Hey everyone, Heather and I have an ask for you. If you love this episode or if you love the IGG, can you do us a favor? We need you to go onto whatever platform you listen on and download, subscribe, like, love, whatever it's asking you to do. Can you go do those things for us on the platforms that you listen on? It would mean so much to us. Thanks for listening to our episode. For a way to get in touch with us, please visit our website, intuitivegirlsguide.com. We love hearing your feedback on our episodes.